Section 52 of Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico and the West Indies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Stevens. The World Story, Volume 11. Canada, South America, Central America, Mexico and the West Indies. Edited by Ava March Tappan. Section 52. How Dr. Grenfell was saved. 20th century. By George Andrews, one of the rescuers. It is hardly necessary to say that Dr. Wilfred T. Grenfell is physician, missionary, friend, and helper to the fishermen on the coast of Labrador. His life is a series of dangers and difficulties. One of his adventures was drifting off on an ice pan or field of broken ice, from which he was at length saved by some fishermen. The story is told in the Newfoundland vernacular. The Editor It was wonderful bad weather that Monday morning. The doctor was to Locks Cove. None of we thought of his starting out. I don't think the doctor himself thought of going at first, and then he sent the two men on ahead for to meet us at the tilt, and said like he was going after all. "'Twas even when us knew he was on the ice. George Davis seen him first. "'He went to the cliff to look for seal. "'It was after sunset and after dark. "'But he thought he saw something on the ice, "'and he ran for George Reed, "'and he got his spyglass and made out a man and dogs on a pan, "'and he knowed it was the doctor. "'It was too dark for we to go to him, "'but us never slept at all all night. "'I couldn't sleep.' Us watched the wind and knew if it didn't blow too hard us could get him. Thought he was then three mile off already. So us waited for the daylight. No one said who was going out in the boat. I'd say, is you going? Another, is you? I didn't say, but I know what I'd do. As soon as it was light us went to the cliff with the spyglass to see if us could see him. But there weren't nothing in sight. Us know by the wind what to look for in, and us launched the boat. George Reed and his two sons and George Davis what seen him first, and me was the crew. George Reed was skipper man, and the rest was just youngsters. The sun was warm. You mind it was a fine morning. And I started in our shirts and braces, for us knowed there'd be hard work to do. I knowed there was a chance of not coming back at all, but it didn't make no difference. I know that as good a chance as any, and the twa for the doctor, and his life's worth many, and somehow I couldn't let a man go out like that without trying for him, and I think us all felt the same. I sat a good strong boat and four oars, and took a hot kettle of tea and food for a week, for us thought I'd have to go far and perhaps lose the boat and have to walk ashore on the ice. I didn't hope to find the doctor alive and kept looking for a sign of him on the pans. T'was no easy getting through the pans with a big sea running. The big pans had sometimes heaved together and near crushed the boat, and sometimes us had to get out and haul her over the ice to the water again. Then us come to the slob ice with the pan and ground together, and it was all thick, and that was worse than any. I saw the doctor about twenty minutes afore us got to him. He was waving his flag and I seen him. He was on a pan no bigger than this floor and I dunno whatever kept him from going abroad, for it wasn't the ice, was packed snow. 
The pan was away from even the slough floating by herself, and the open water all round, and it was just across for Goose Cove, and outside of that, there'd been no hope. I think the way the pan held together was on account of the dog's bodies melting it, and it froze hard during the night. It was level with the water and the sea washing over us all the time. When us got nearin, it didn't seem like it was the doctor. He looked so old and his face such a queer colour. He was very solemn-like when he took on the dogs on the boat. Norton felt like saying much and he hardly said nothing till us gave him some tea and loaf and then he talked. I suppose was sort of faint-like. The first thing he said was how wonderful sorry he was o' getting into such a mess and giving we the trouble o' coming out for him. Us told her not to think of that. Us was glad to do it for him, and he'd have done it for any one of we many times over if he'd had the chance, and so he would. And then he threatened about the boy he was going to see, it being too late to reach us, and us told him his life was worth so much more than the boy, for he could save others and the boy couldn't. But he still fretted. He had ripped the dog harnesses and stuffed the oakum in the legs or his pants to keep him warm. He showed it to we, and he cut off the tops of his boots to keep the draft from his back. He must have worked hard all night. He said he dropped off once or twice, but the night seemed wonderful long. Us took him off the pan about half past seven and had a hard fight getting in, the sea still running high. He said he was proud to see us coming for un, and so he might, for it grew wonderful cold in the day, and the sea so high for the pan couldn't have lived outside. He wouldn't stop when us got ashore, but must go right on and when he had dry clothes and was a bit warm, I sat into St. Anthony with the team. The next night and for nights after, I couldn't sleep. I keep seeing that man standing on the ice, and I'd be sort of half awake like saying, but not the doctor, sure not the doctor. There was silence for a few moments, and George Andrews looked out across the blue harbour to the sea. He sent us watches and spyglasses, said he, and pictures of herself that one of you took her in, made large and in a frame. George read and me at the watches, and the others at the spyglasses. Here's the watch. It is in memory of April 21st, on it, but us don't need the things to make we remember it, though we're wonderful glad to have them from the doctor. End of section 52. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Matt Stevens.